When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Eye on Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to Ion Foxborough. I'm Chris Mason here with Mark Daniels. It is Thursday morning. Yesterday we got to meet the Patriots' new coordinators for the first time. That was Alex Van Pelt on offense, Demarcus Covington on defense. Not really meeting him for the first time, but first time in a new role. And Jeremy Springer on special teams. Mark, was there one takeaway right off the bat that you had from, you know, listening to these guys in their new roles for the first time? I would just say in general, Chris, it's a new day in Foxborough. It's a new era. Um, Gerard Mayo started off the press conference essentially saying he wanted to have a different type of relationship with the media. And what what I would say that stuck out to me about the assistant coaches is like they're very friendly. You know, it's this is going to be the Gerard Mayo era will be a lot different than the Bill Belichick era. And the first thing that stuck out to me will be, hey, these guys are more willing to talk and be friendly and not as guarded, you know, have no idea if that'll translate to any success on the field. But in terms of like the questions we ask, the answers we get, the answers that fans want to hear, I think it'll be it'll be interesting because we're going to hear more. I think I, people are willing to talk. Gerard Mayo was willing to talk, and that's what he said yesterday. So yeah, Alex Van Pelt seems like an awesome guy. Everyone I ask about Alex Van Pelt is like, great guy, great guy. And that's what you're like, yeah, I see it. Alex Van Pelt is coming in to change the culture on offense. Clearly, I mean, Demarcus Covington is a good dude. Me and Chris know him well. He's, he's a really good guy and players like him. Jeremy Springer is essentially a can of Red Bull. That guy has a ton of energy, but like, again, a player's coach. And I think that's one thing that's sticking out to me, Chris. He's brought in a player's players coaches. It'll be a different era for the media and for players alike. The special teams coaches, the special teams coordinators just have like a different kind of caffeine because it feels like they are all just, you know, ready to go bang, bang, bang off the wall where I don't know if it's maybe it's like some sort of special teams coordinator write a passage where you have to shotgun a Red Bull before you go to a press conference. But, you know, Springer seems very much in the cloth of Cam Acord was like this. Joe Judge was like that before that. Maybe maybe there's just big Red Bull guys. Who knows? But I, I don't know what it is about special teams guys and energy, but they feel like they need to bring it. Um, I think Van Pelt was the most interesting of the bunch, though. And right off the bat, he essentially got asked, is he bringing Kevin Stefanski's Browns offense to New England? He said that it'll be similar, but they're definitely not going to be the same. And he's going to tailor things to um, the personnel because they don't know who the quarterback is. Right. So it'd be right. pretty stupid to be like, this is our rigid system right now. This is what we're going to do. This is who we are before we even know who's under center. 
So what did you make of Van Pelt's first comments about what he sees the offense as? Yeah, a lot of people were making a big deal out of his Browns comment. It'll be similar. Guys, I, I hate to break it to you. Alex Van Pelt doesn't know what offense he's really going to run because he doesn't know who his quarterback is, right? Like, you really get into it. Like, even Gerard Mayo mentioned this. It's more about players than it is scheme. And with Alex Van Pelt, what the Patriots are going to do is tailor their scheme around players. And you might say, what sense does that make? Well, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it because, Chris, we don't know who the quarterback is. So say, hypothetically, they draft a quarterback at three. If it's Drake May, I fully expect a West Coast offense, the Browns-type offense, where, like, Drake May has a big arm. He can He's a pocket passer who's going to throw the ball downfield. You will get that with Alex Van Pelt. However, if it's Jaden Daniels, Chris, I think we both know the offense will be different. You're, you're going to have design run plays for your quarterback. You'll have an option quarterback. So when Alex Van Pelt was saying, hey, yeah, it'll be similar, not the same. But then he also mentions it's going to be dependent on the players. He's talking about the quarterback. That's really what I read into it. The Patriots don't know who will be starting under center. I mean, even like hypothetically, if they were to like bring in Baker Mayfield or, you know, Kirk Cousins, I, I think – you're going to tailor your offense around whoever your quarterback is, but the fact they're sitting there at three and that could be Jaden Daniels really to me means you're not running the Browns offense. Like you have Joe Flacco. If Jaden Daniels is your quarterback, right? Like my whole thing was like quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. That's, that was my takeaway. What about you? Yeah. And it, I, it's definitely like going to be quarterback dependent. And I think he learned that firsthand this year where he had five different starting quarterbacks in Cleveland, right? You're not going to be running the same stuff with like Deshaun Watson as DTR as Joe Flacco. Like you're going to tailor it to whoever's back there. I do think that the bones of the Brown system makes sense though, because it is like the West coast system that everyone kind of wants to use. They were run heavy. And I think like the best player under contract for the Patriots right now on offense is Ramondre Stevenson. So I think it makes sense that you're going to want to get the ball into his hands. Some, they did a lot of play action. I think they were third in the league this year with play action plays, which quarterback's best friend, if you can establish the run, it makes everything easier for them. I think play action be very, very helpful for a young quarterback. So I, I liked a lot of what he was saying, where it's like, yeah, this is like the idea that we have. But he also coached um, Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay for four years or whatever it was. So he's definitely seen a totally different offense work. He played quarterback for Buffalo for 10 years. You know, that's going to be a different offense, too. So I think there are going to be a lot of different flavors to it. But I, I really liked what he had to say right off the bat. Yeah, I think you have to go into this with with an open mind. And, and let's be honest, Chris, we're, we're going to talk about this a lot over the next couple of weeks before free agency. The Patriots offensive roster is a mess. We don't know who their starting tackles are. They have no veteran tight ends under contract. They really have one running back. They don't have a franchise quarterback. They don't have a playmaking number one receiver. And, like, their starting left guard, Cole Strange, we don't know what's going on with him because of a knee injury. Like, you, you very well, you like, there are, that's a lot of holes. That's what I'm getting at. The Patriots yeah. have so many holes. I think it's easy to say, all right, yeah, this guy has experience in the West Coast system. They'll do it, sure. But also, you have to see what players are actually going to be here because right now, it is quite literally a blank canvas. Like, so many things have to happen for the Patriots over the next two months for us to really get into, well, how's the offense going to look? And what's the scheme going to look like? Well, until we see the quarterback, the receivers he's throwing to, the starting tackles, the tight ends, will they add another running back, Ramondre Stevenson? I think it's really hard. It's really hard to sort of predict. So I, I actually appreciated Alex Van Pelt's honesty there. We're like, yeah, there's going to be elements of the Browns offense, but also we have to put our players in best position to be successful. Well, you have to know who those players are first.
Right. And as it stands, I mean, I think you can feel good about predicting four starters on the offense next year. If you want to play that game where it's Ramondre right. Stevenson, David Andrews, City So at right guard and pop in the slot, given if, if he's healthy. Like, I think then that's those are the four guys beyond that. Do you know who's going to be starting anywhere? No, it's it's a it's kind of a horrible place to be in for a new coaching staff. But hey, look at look on the bright side. They can bring in players who fit into what Alex Van Pelt wants, right? He's he's going to tell Elliot Wolf, hey, these guys work with what I've done in the past. So let's bring them in. I mean, honestly, I'm looking over free agents, and one of the things I'm looking at was all right, who played with Alex Van Pelt? So like right away, Kareem Hunt, you know, Cleveland running back. I mean, even even Cleveland's like backup tight end, Harrison Bryant. I'm like, well, there you go. There's a couple of connections right there that I can see the Patriots adding to. So, man, the next few weeks are going to be, I think, a lot of fun for Patriots fans. Second most cap space right now, according to Over the Cap, and then the number three draft pick. They have some uh, they have some ways to add some talent, and this new coaching staff is certainly going to have to coach them up. And they still haven't cut JC, so there's even more cap space if you want it. One thing that did catch my ear, too, so Gerard Mayo spoke before the coordinators, and he said that it was really important for him to have the coordinators have input into their staff. And I think that goes right in line with what you're saying about, like, free agents that Van Pelt has worked with. I mean, he brought an offensive line coach over from Cleveland, too. So I think that is, you know, right in step with trying to run an offense this way and having cohesion, because I don't think there was really a ton the last few years. No, I mean, you, you think about it, you know, they had Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running sort of a new offense, but with a holdover staff, kind of, you know, there were a lot, there were some holdovers there from Josh McDaniels, even the guys they brought in, I didn't feel that there was much continuity in, in terms of what they were doing, other than there were connections to the Patriots and Bill Belichick, and that was seen last year, Bill O'Brien comes in, and the only, the only guy he really hired was his tight ends coach, Will Long. I mean, Adrian Clem came in from Oregon, who previously worked in Pittsburgh. I didn't see the connection there other than he was drafted by Bill Belichick. And their entire offensive staff, to me, was just, it was it was built differently under Bill. The running back coach, Vinny Sinceri, was a defensive assistant first. The assistant receivers coach, Ross Douglas, was a defensive coach first. It just, I didn't, I didn't love the way Bill built things on offense with his offensive staff. It was essentially like, if you were friends of Bill or Bill knew you or previously worked with you, he would hire you. Here on the Patriots now, it's all right. Do you have a connection with Alex Van Pelt? You know, do you have familiarity with the systems he's run? Because you really go down the list. I mean, he worked with Ben McAdoo, the new senior offensive assistant. T.C. McCartney, the quarterback's coach, worked with him in Cleveland. Scott Peters, the offensive line coach, worked with him in Cleveland. Um, Bob McNell, the tight ends coach, also worked with him back in the day. I think it, I have to go back and look at, but Bob McNell actually was on one of the staffs with Alex Van Pelt as well. Taylor Embry, the runnings back coach had experience in Kyle Shanahan's system as an offensive assistant in San Francisco. So he knows the West coast system. Taekwon Underwood at the very least coached receivers. He wasn't a defensive assistant, you know, Robert Kugler, their assistant quarter, uh, their assistant offensive line coach. So Robert Kugler, his mentor was James Camden, who was a longtime uh, offensive line coach in Green Bay. And his his mentor worked with Alex Van Pelt in Green Bay. So, you know, there's all these little connections to the West Coast system, the Shanahan system. And I like that. I, I think it puts Alex Van Pelt in a really good position, Chris, to work with like-minded assistant coaches. Right. Where I think if you listen to this pod before, too, you know my biggest complaint with the Patriots offense the last couple of years has been like, what's the vision here? Like, what was best case scenario? Because it never seemed to make sense. It was never a cohesive thing. I think you're seeing that. 
I don't know if you have the personnel to make it work right away here, but at least you're all moving in the same direction where that just didn't seem like the case before, where it was like, we're going to take like 19 different ideas, kind of mishmash them together. Like in two years ago, we're not going to have an office coordinator. Matt Patricia is going to be kind of in charge of this, but it's not really, it, it just made no sense. There was no vision to it. it. Ended up as kind of like the Joe Bluth, like, I don't know what I expected. Or Michael Bluth with Job's Dove. And Chris, you know, another hire, I think what we all saw coming was Demarcus Covington being named the Patriots' new defensive coordinator. Covington's 34 years old. He's he's very well respected in the Patriots' locker room and around the NFL. Last year, he interviewed with the Cardinals and the Chargers for their vacant defensive coordinator spots. Wasn't surprised at all to see Demarcus Covington. And for those who have read us on Mass Live or listened to this podcast, no, like we like Demarcus Covington. He's a really good dude. Chris, what was your biggest takeaway when it came to hearing Demarcus Covington talk for the first time as a defensive coordinator? That there's going to be no who's the defensive play caller mystery this year where he just came out and said, yeah, I, I'm planning on doing that. And it's interesting to me that he said he's been preparing for it for a long time. Um, just in practice, in meeting rooms, he's like, I've basically been going through mental reps this whole time. Like, what would I call here? Why would I want to call it? Yada, yada, yada. Where like people do put a huge impact on play calling and understandably. So a lot of times it's on players to execute it, but I, I just thought him coming right out and saying like, yeah, I plan to do this. I want to do this. I've been preparing for it. I think I'm ready for it. That struck me right away. Yeah, you know, I think when you have a young assistant who's worked hard and other teams start to view him as a coordinator type, it's always wise to keep him in house. I mean, Demarcus Covington, he really deserves that job. And another takeaway for me, Chris, was that he said, "Hey, the Patriots' defensive scheme—it's not really going to change," which I think is great. Right. Last year, the Patriots had one of the best defenses in the NFL. They had one of the best run defenses in the NFL, and they keep those bones in place, which really was expected. I mean, Gerard Mayo is essentially their their de facto defensive coordinator. Gerard Mayo, for those who don't know, was running the defensive meetings. He was doing the scheming. He was doing the film breakdowns from practice. He was the one coming up with game plans and how to stop the um, opposing team's best offensive players. And it worked out really well. So now Gerard obviously trusts DeMarcus Covington and the Patriots defense, which has been really good, is really going to stay the same. Chris, I, I think that is phenomenal news because I think one of the worst things that could have happened here was that you move away from what your strength is. Because right now, Chris, I think your only strength on the Patriots is your defense. I agree. And I think it also makes sense even beyond that, that you essentially, the Patriots defense has been so good for such a long time that you have these templates for everything that already works, where if you're going to the draft, you know that like this style player works for this role. Like you have even height and weight measurements. Like this is best case for this scheme, the system, everything. So I think it makes all the sense in the world to keep doing that. And I also do think it speaks to Gerard trying to like empower people around him where I think he very easily could have been like, yeah, I'm going to call defensive plays now. Like I'm a defensive guy. You see that all, all around the league, right? Like head coaches that have a background on one side of the ball want their hand totally there. But rather than doing that, he's like, no, I'm going to have my guy Covington do it. And, you know, hopefully he rises to the occasion there. I think that says a lot about how he's going to try and run this show. Yeah. And and I like I like what they did on defense, too, with the openings they had. Jerry Montgomery is the Patriots' new defensive line coach. Very experienced. He, you know, he was the ex um, defensive line coach for the Green Bay Packers for a while. The Packers this offseason hired um, Jeff Halfley, the head coach of BC, to be their new defensive coordinator. And my understanding is that when Jeff Halfley came in, he wanted to change some things about, you know, what his coaches did. Obviously, he's a coordinator and he wanted assistant coaches who were more in line with some of his teachings and his styles. And for Jerry Montgomery, that meant having to find a new opportunity. So I thought that was a good hire. Another one was the offensive line coach. I'm sorry, the offensive line coach, the outside linebackers coach, Drew Wilkins. 
For those who don't know, Drew Wilkins' mentor um, was Don Wink Martindale, who's one of the, the greatest defensive coordinators in, in the NFL. He's super experienced. And what the Patriots did, they paired Drew Wilkins, an experienced NFL outside linebackers coach, with Dante Hightower. Uh, you know, Dante has never coached on any level, but he's a super smart, everyone knows, a super smart inside linebacker for the Patriots. I like pairing Dante with Drew Wilkins, Chris. I, I think that's that was really smart to do that. You know, pair a first-time coach sort of with an, a veteran coach. I think that was a smart move. Yeah, I think that definitely makes a ton of sense where, I mean, I Hightower is incredibly intelligent, um, but it's one thing to be doing it yourself. It's another thing to be teaching it. So I think having a veteran in that linebacker room like makes a ton of sense. Yeah, uh, I'm right with you on that. One, well, what do you make of the other coaches that are going to be back now? So on defense, you also have Brian Belichick, who's going to be back coaching safeties, Mike Pellegrino. I think you're going to have some really good continuity on that side of the ball. But then offensively, you have Evan Rothstein and Troy Brown, whose role is just, I don't know that they know what his role is right now, other than it's on the Patriots staff. This is like the most mysterious thing going right now for me. Is, is there like... Anything that you make of it? I'm trying to think of an analogy. There's been a lot of mysteries around the Patriots over the years. You know, Malcolm yeah. Butler, the biggest one. And for a while, it was who was the Patriots offensive coordinator. And we found out it was Matt Patricia. Um, right now, the Patriots 2024 mystery is what is Troy Brown doing in Foxborough? What's his role? Because the Patriots hired two wide receiver coaches, Tyler Hughes and Tyquan Underwood. They hired three special teams coaches. Um, you have... Um, Sorry, it was um, Jeremy Springer, Tom Quinn, and Kobe Tippett. I mean, you're you're sort of stacked at the roles you think Troy Brown might slide into. So if I had a guess, I do wonder if they make Troy Brown sort of like an assistant head coach slash returners coach. Like, I don't – I'm trying to think. Like, Troy Brown, maybe – he. I think he did a fine job as the returners coach. Jalen Rhaegar you. You know, played well the year before. Marcus Jones was an all-pro Keep Troy Brown as your returners coach. But obviously, that's a demotion for him. So how do you get him to stay other than just saying, hey, you still have a job? Maybe maybe it's like an assistant head coach. You know, maybe it's something like that. Right, Chris? Like, what do you think? Like, for me, I have no I have no idea. It's honestly a mystery. It just feels so weird, though, if it's like an assistant head coach thing, because that would feel like a promotion. And it's like, OK, I mean, the wide receivers have underachieved here for quite a few years in a row. A lot of that's personnel, too, where like you got Juju with a busted knee. like good luck who's going to succeed there. But, you know, they haven't been meeting expectations for a long time. And I agree with you that he's been great in the return game, but like, I don't know if they would put him as like a pass game coordinator or something like that either, but it's like, why? Like, what, what did you really do to earn this here? So I genuinely have no idea where the returners thing again, I think that makes the most sense. I think he's done a great job there. I think the returners are always like overachieving to some degree, whether it's, you know, Gunner is an all pro Marcus Jones is an all pro. Jalen Rhaegar, who's like the ninth guy back there this year, is, you know, explosive returns. So that would make sense to me. But I don't know what else like could be there. Yeah. And then like Evan Rothstein, I, I look at him like I, I wonder if he stays on as like an assistant quarterbacks coach. Right. I mean, he worked with quarterbacks the last two years. I forget. Was his title last year quarterbacks coach? Because then obviously being an assistant would be a demotion. I, I don't quite remember what Evan Rothstein's actual title no, he, was. He was, the, he was assistant because Bill O'Brien was the quarterbacks coach. So I think that actually makes sense. Keep Evan Rothstein as an assistant quarterbacks coach. And then you have T.C. McCarty. You know, Bill O'Brien. I'm Bill O'Brien. Gerard Mayo said 
it's going to be a bigger staff. We see it is a bigger coaching staff. So maybe, you know, Evan Rothstein is a part of that equation. Or here's here's a wild thought. Maybe Evan Rothstein moves into the booth and becomes like an Ernie Adams because I've been told he is a genius. And that was by Bailey Zappi. So. And that was kind of like the role that he had. That was kind of like the role that he had in Detroit, too, where he was doing a lot of Ernie Adams type stuff for Patricia when he was there. So he might even turn into like a front office liaison type that bounces back and forth, because I think that's another thing we're seeing right off the bat with Gerard's new staff is that like them and the personnel, I think, are working very closely together on things like bouncing ideas back and forth and you know, the word like collaboration has been thrown around so many times over the last, what, like five years here. But I do think you're seeing uh, like a legitimate back and forth on a lot of these things here. I'll say this. I think the word collaboration was just a talking point and it didn't mean much over the last five years because at the end of the day, Bill Belichick had the power and he did overrule people. Now, from my understanding, it's it's not just words. Like the, the front office and the coaching staff will be collaborating the coaching staff will be telling, you know, Elliot Wolf and these guys, hey, here are the prospects we like. Here are the free agents we like. And it'll be up to Elliot Wolf and his staff to go out and get them. But they are honestly going to try to work together and bring in players that the coaches want. So it's a, it's a different day in Foxborough. It's also a different day on special teams. I mean, Jeremy Springer, Chris, I thought an interesting hire with him. Jeremy Springer, for those who don't know, assistant special teams coach, for the Rams. He was a special teams coordinator in college at Marshall in Arizona, but you no, know, he's relatively inexperienced. However, they paired him with Tom Quinn, who has been coaching special teams for like two decades. Put it in perspective, Tom Quinn was a special teams coordinator for the Giants when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 07 and 2011. And then what Jeremy Springer said to us, Chris, was that he had a he had a role in hiring Quinn because Quinn has been somewhat of a mentor to him. I think that's another sign of collaboration. I mean, Jeremy Springer, very young, new special teams coordinator, got a say in who his assistant special teams coach was. I, I really like that. Yeah, I like it a lot, too, considering Springer said that he'd like never been to New England before. And it's like <laughs> coach special teams up here now. <laughs> like it's kind of a leap yeah. with like the weather and all that stuff. So I think it definitely makes sense to have like a guy that's been around for a very long time in that room, too, because like. I understand if you're playing in a dome, special teams are special teams, but like up here, things can change really quickly. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. And on the collaborative point, I think one other hire where you're really seeing that is Ben McAdoo. You know, he has the offensive assistant title, which is kind of vague. I get the sense that he's just kind of around to like kind of help everybody out where he's been great at scouting quarterbacks in the past. I'm sure he's going to be doing work on these quarterbacks ahead of the draft while also coaching the offense. The, the stories about Ben McAdoo and his um what he thought about prospects should honestly excite Patriots fans. Ben McAdoo, for those who don't know, there was a period when he got fired from New York as their head coach. He decided to scout the quarterbacks in that draft class just on his own because he, he essentially he really enjoys it. And that was the class with Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Joe, um, Josh Rosen. And he, he essentially identified Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson as the two best quarterbacks now, he said this before any of them played an NFL game. He said it in that summer after they were drafted. But like at the time, Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield were viewed as the best prospects. And Alec, um, I'm sorry, Ben McAdoo came out and said, I, I disagree with this. And my, my number one was Josh Allen because of his potential. And my number two was Lamar Jackson. So when I read that craze, I was ecstatic. I'm like, I want this guy on my staff. But then the other story about him was when he was with the Giants, he really, really liked 
Patrick Mahomes. And now there are multiple stories and multiple reporting from people there in New York saying that like Ben McAdoo would be watching film on Mahomes and he'd be like swearing, like I bleep and really want this guy or I really bleep and want this guy. And obviously the Giants didn't trade up. They were at the bottom of the first round. They ended up drafting Davis Webb in the third round. But considering Ben McAdoo liked Pat Mahomes, he liked Josh Allen, he liked Lamar Jackson. I think it's great because right now I want to hear who he likes in this draft class and who he likes at number three. See, I, I like the 18 draft story specifically just because it's really easy for like the Patrick Mahomes stories to come out after the fact where I think there have been a oh, lot yeah. of different coaches where it's like, oh, well, he really liked Mahomes and he really liked him. And it's like, OK, well, ultimately, none of you picked him. But to have that list in print before any of them play a single snap and for him to be like, yeah, Allen and Lamar are definitely the two best in the draft. Like, OK, like you wrote it, you printed it. It's there. There's no like. There's no like wishy-washiness. There's no like embellishing things after the fact. It's like, no, this was your list and, you know, you put it down there. So I do think that's really encouraging. I also think it's really interesting that like he clearly likes the high ceiling guys. If those are the two that he identified from that class, if the Mahomes stories are true. So going into this draft, like, doesn't that make you think that they'd be more apt to take a Drake May or Jaden McDaniels at three, given both of their like high ceilings? I mean, listen, if you like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and the choices are Drake May and Jaden Daniels, I mean, that's perfect, right? Like, I, I think it's great. I, I if the, Listen, I'm going to say this in every podcast we have. The Patriots should draft a quarterback in number three. And I think Ben McAdoo might feel the same as me. So that makes me like him, Chris. I'm, I'm biased. But what can I say? <laughs> all right. Well, there you have it. Uh, thanks for following along, guys. We'll catch you further on down the trail. Uh, we'll be back with pods all week next week for the NFL Combine. We're going to be there. Um, and we should have pods just about every day. I will challenge Mark to remind you every single day that they should draft a quarterback. But until then, keep on keeping on. This has been Ion Foxborough, brought to you by Mass Live.